My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 556. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we're going to talk about foundations. Is that right? Well, not foundations. Foundation. We're going to talk about building a solid foundation. Building a solid foundation. But first, um, Team Zen, it's something we do a few times a month. It's uh, a live podcast. You guys ask questions. We have discussions. We've done 90, almost 100 of these things. So when you join, you get access to all of them. It's kind of like a private podcast feed. So if you're interested in that, um, just go to our website, zenparentingradio.com, and there's a coupon code called called FRIEND. And uh, a first month is free. You also get access to our um, Facebook page where you can ask questions and get resources and find community. So if you are needing community right now in all of the change our world is going through, then please um, join us and you will find people from all over the United States and all over the world. That's right. Um, So let's jump in. Okay. So I wanted to talk about um, something that I heard yesterday in a podcast and it actually it was in the podcast you and I were just listening to it was in this uh it was in a, in a discussion from it, it's from May mm-hmm. but it was between Eckhart Tolle and Oprah which it's funny to even say that cuz Todd and I used to talk about Eckhart Tolle all the time yes. i mean in our first couple of years of podcasting we've been doing this like 10 years and we still appreciate him a lot and go back to his words, but we haven't really talked about him on the show in a long time. Yeah, I don't, it's been really long. And um, yeah, so Eckhart is an author. He wrote two books, maybe more. Um, Stillness Speaks, actually three. Stillness Speaks, The Power of Now, and A New Earth. Right, and A New Earth is the one that knocked my socks off just because of the, not just the words, but the way I read it, it was a chapter a week for nine weeks. Mm -hmm. And it's when Oprah was doing this thing with Eckhart um, on Skype. None of us knew what Skype was (laughs) at the time. And it was just a way for me to integrate every chapter a week. And it really changed my life. So if there's anybody out there that hasn't read um, either of those two, I would say just jump in with the new earth and follow along with Oprah and Eckhart as they talk about each chapter. Yeah, it re- and it really is old. Like yeah. 10 oh, years ago? Maybe I don't know. less? No, no not 10. No. Probably like seven or eight years ago. Yeah. But regardless, it's kind it's the kind of thing that doesn't age. And it maybe it does because they were using Skype, but as far as the information goes, so it's, everybody from Skype just said, Hey dude, what a, don't don't forget about us. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Every everything evolves, right? Yes. Um and I also want to say before we jump in that we Todd um had to travel, so we are taping this podcast about a week before it airs. We're taping on July sixth, and you're getting this like July fourteenth. And the only reason I like to say that is we don't know what will be going on in the world. Correct. So this is we are taping this on July sixth. So good catch. Okay, so I want to say that one of the things that they talked about in this discussion between Oprah um, on her, her Super Soul uh, podcast and Eckhart was there was this comment that he made about um building a solid foundation and he actually took it from scripture we don't read scripture a lot no. on this podcast but um i really do believe that there's certain scripture i think is really beautiful and helpful and poetic and the the scripture actually goes like this um anyone who listens to my teaching and follows is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Okay? So... Do you know which book that is Yeah, from? it's from uh, Matthew uh, 7, 24 to 27. Look at you quoting Matthew, sweetie. <laughs> I know, that's not very common. But see, here's the thing. I w- we were talking about this in the car. I love scripture. The problem with talking about scripture is that... It gets misunderstood as that you are preaching something because everybody has a different understanding of how they read the Bible. Sure. And my reading of the Bible is it is poetry and story that helps us understand ourselves better. Mm. And sometimes people take that when you read scripture as like one way, the only way, and there's a lot of fear built into it. And that's not how I read it. Sure. But it's not, you know. 
That's well, how. it's one of many books, you know, the, that is the Bible has however many books in it, right? and we quote a, a whole bunch of other books, so why don't we quote this one if it if it speaks to us? Absolutely, and, and, it and does. I do in my life, sure. just we don't always on the show. Correct. It's just like any other thing where it's like a, um, it, it holds such a different power for certain people for right. a different reason that you can go down a path where you're like, that's can we talk about this in a different way? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about this scripture because, and talk about it in a bigger picture way and not get super focused on sure. the details sure. of it. Okay, because, um, you know, the last part of it, you know, when you get further into it, it says, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, um, it's foolish. It's like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Is this Jesus talking, probably? Correct. Okay. Now, to me, I will preface and say that this to me is he's talking about following the teaching mm-hmm. of uh, your self-understanding of self of, of compassion and love for other people, of helping other people, of being aware of what you can offer. The teachings of Jesus I take not as you follow just that person, but that he's teaching you how to do this yourself. Right. He's teaching you how to be empowered the way he was empowered. Yeah. Okay. So when I think when some people read this, they read follow me or else you're in trouble. Yeah, and that's the that's the god sitting on the throne Correct. up in heaven. And and if and if people do, that's that's their prerogative. Sure. This is I'm not telling them how to do it. I'm telling them that the, the way I read it yeah. is that he's saying to me, "Look at how I do this. You can do this too." Mm-hmm. And so the point is is that when he's saying, you know, you're wise or you're foolish, he's not saying if you just you know, make me the only person. He's saying, if you can build your own foundation, yeah. then you will have this wisdom and this strength the way I do. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then you won't have access to the wisdom and strength. So, going from that, I was thinking that how powerful that is in this time when we're we have a lot of crumbling foundations, and that we may look around in our world and in our country or all over the, you know, just everywhere, maybe in our own lives, maybe it's more personal, and say, everything's crumbling, therefore I'm crumbling. And the teaching, the the hope for all of us, no matter what's going on, is we can build an internal foundation that strengthen us when things like this happen. And that is the practice, not just in times of crisis, but throughout our lives, even when things are actually going fairly well, you still need practices to build your internal foundation. Like, just be real, I'll just be real, like, you know, specific here, or a metaphorical kind of, if you build a house, literally, and you build it on top of sand, as soon as anything happens, it's not going to sustain. And what is sand? You know, I am my stuff. Um, I am these clothes I wear. I am the fact that I that I um, you know have money. I am the fact that if it, it's about these. So like, what you're saying is your version of sand uh-huh. is when we are lost in ego and we think who we are, the essence of who we are, is how we look or how many cars we have or the size of our house. Like that's sand, right? Because those things we we can't, they're lovely and and you can enjoy them. You don't have to feel guilty for that, but they aren't who you are. Mm -hmm. So if they get taken away or you don't like a lot of kids, I think have really learned just in the last year, kids who have built their whole foundation of their lives on, I am my grades and I am my sport. What happens when you're not at school and you're not playing sports? So for, so if anybody's listening way past, so we're kind of in the, we're in July of 2020 and we're kind of in the middle of the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. George Floyd was just murdered six weeks ago. Uh Um, But specific to what you just said about grades and sports, like COVID for our kids, grades stopped like yeah. you got the same grade you had Correct. even if you don't do any more work so there are there were no more grades for this spring semester right it, or you could you could raise your grade you could raise it mm-hmm. but you couldn't get, get a less, worse grade right. at least in our kids school and sports went away right so there are, are possibly kids whose foundation 
has crumbled. been rocked. Oh, for sure. Right. I mean, I we know for fact, like the the grief and the depression and the who am I? And this is as parents. Sometimes we're like rushing to get our kids back out on that field mm. or rushing to get them back into practice so they can be that person again. Right. And not that we, I understand that impulse. You and I have that impulse too. Like, how do we get some sense of normalcy? That's very human. But this opportunity where everything has kind of fallen apart is an opportunity to put ourselves back together with a more sturdy foundation right. where maybe the sports and the um, the grades are more like the second floor of the house. Yeah. And they aren't the foundation. Right. They can be part of us, They, but they are not who we are. They are a, a part of maybe our enjoyment life, our personality, things that we're good at. But if that's all we think we are, when something like this happens, we've built our house on sand. Well, and sometimes it's easiest to explain a concept by explaining what it isn't. So I like where you started with this, yeah. like who we are is not our sports and our grades. And part of me wants you to jump in like, well, then if that's not who we are, who are we? Right. Um, but do you, do you want to give any more examples of uh, how of who we are not? Sure. Um, I And I said a few of them, but if we are thinking that our our whole life is how I show other people what I have or how I look or that it's my new outfit or that it's the new car I'm going to buy or if it's the way that my house is bigger than your house or it's the way that um, I'm in charge of whatever organization or I'm getting – anything that is egocentric as far as we go out in the world and say I'm better than you mm-hmm. – and that our whole work is that person has something, I'm going to get what they have too. And that we're always reaching externally or we are always showing up with a need to win, whatever that looks like. Well, what's interesting is it just to kind of like give it a little bit more context. Yeah. Because it's very easy to talk about cars and houses and things like that. You could even be lost in ego and a shaky foundation by somebody coming to me telling me how they're a minimalist. Like they are trying to say that they are better than me because they have less stuff. So it's not just about the stuff. It's, it's, it's the comparison of one person versus another. Well, and that's the thing is we we have talked about uh, for the last decade about how sometimes spirituality just becomes our other method of demonstrating why we're more special. Yes, thank you. And that in that it could be anything, no matter what we take on, when we start to say, I am this thing and you are not, and we are judging other people, or we decide that our way of life is the best way and everyone else is doing it wrong, we've just transferred our ego focus from something like a car to something like spirituality and saying, but I'm still better than you, you. and I'm still working on being better than you. Um, And the... And that is a practice. Um, I get lost in that mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I don't think you will ever not get lost in it. I think something that I've realized just in the last couple of years is that I'm even really careful with my language of how I talk about my experiences that I have. If I'm sad or feeling anxious or struggling or in pain, instead of like, wow, I really moved out of that or I healed that or I need to get rid of that. You're never going to get rid of it. You, you're you always going to move through those experiences, and it's how you engage with them that demonstrates your foundation. Mm-hmm. So it, I actually have a great quote from Richard Rohr um, from Falling Upward. Um, if, for those of you who don't know, Richard Rohr is a um, Fran- French Franciscan, Franciscan monk. monk. And I, if you want to have an understanding of how I appreciate scripture, it would probably be through Richard Rohr's mm-hmm. teaching or maybe even Rob Bell's teaching yeah. or um, there was somebody else that we came up with yesterday where we were like, that. oh, Thomas Merton's yeah. teaching, that kind of understanding of the- Their interpretations, their interpretations of scripture is something that is in alignment with, with us. With how Todd and I talk about it. So, but in his book, first of all, before I say this quote- Something that Richard Rohr teaches that I think is super important is the idea that life is follows a pattern of order, disorder, reorder. And if you can understand that about life, then when things are disordered, you don't go down such a deep, dark hole of despair. Sure. In life, the paradox is that we always need something to push against. 
you can't experience light without knowing dark. You can't experience joy without knowing sadness. And you can't experience order without understanding that chaos is its push against. Mm -hmm. Right now, not in every aspect of our lives, like if you've built a solid foundation, there's many parts of your life that are not in chaos. But there is an external chaos that is going on. Um, there's an external chaos with a global pandemic that we've never seen before. Even, you know, people talk about, they compare it to the 1918 Spanish flu, which is a great comparison, but the global implications of we this. We haven't seen this. Correct. And and the fact that we're all watching it so clearly because of our uh, interconnectedness through, you know, uh, the interwebs. Well, and just the fact that we could turn on the news and see the death toll on a map color coded every day uh, every day i don't think they had that with spanish flu (laughs) exactly we were just talking about that there were some places that didn't even know there was a flu Mm -hmm. you know they couldn't get the message out to everybody so we're just in a different time and that is chaotic and then what's going on right now with race relations and bringing that into our greater awareness it's been in all of our awarenesses always Mm. but the truth is it's been pushed out of a subconscious or I'm not going to look at that awareness into we're staring right into the eyes of the our history. Yeah. And we're saying we've got to – we have to be more educated, more aware, and we have to understand what allyship really means. So that feels discombobulating and um, it, it may bring up a lot of shame for some of us and it may bring up a lot of fear and, you know, just a lot of, you know – Change is happening. Yeah. When change happens, there's it's a disorder. Yeah. But then what it brings is the third one, order. Mm-hmm. You know, reorder. Reorder. Order, disorder, reorder. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to now we don't want to go to reorder too fast, but we have to understand the only way to create something new is to first create disorder. So to somebody who writes about this or understands this on a deeper level, this all and I'm saying this in air quotes makes sense. That there'd be disruption, right? Well, and I want to just, um, so you're talking about the macro, and I think that's where we're going to go. But just to kind of clue everybody in on how I understand order, disorder, reorder, I have said on this podcast, I tend to skip over the disorder and just go to the reorder. And what I mean by that is sometimes I skip over my feelings Mm -hmm. and just want to fix it. So as parents and we're struggling with something and we just want to like not sit into, you know, it's funny. We were just listening to Eckhart quote before we start is like, I don't help me out with what he says. And maybe I should even pull it up about how we just don't have the ability to sit silent in a room and feel our feelings. So this works on the micro and the macro for me. The micro is order is everything's fine. Disorder is something happens. You and I get into a, you know, a heavy conversation or my kid, Something happens. There's a loss. There's a loss. There's a grief. There's a pain. And I just skip over that part and like, okay, how do we fix this? So that's a micro version of what it is that you're talking about. Well, and I remember this great article that my girlfriends and I used to love, um, and we shared it all the time, and now it's super old. I don't know if you'll be able to find it, but how how it's so important to fall apart on the bathroom floor and just break into a million pieces. And- the reason why it's important to fall apart, and when I'm saying on the bathroom floor, I, it doesn't matter where you do it. It was just the way the article was written. The reason why that's important is because when you break into a million pieces, that's your disorder. You get the opportunity to put those pieces back together hmm. and reorder in a more solid foundational way. Yeah. If you go from order to disorder and you don't reorganize your pieces, you don't feel your feelings, you don't look at what's happening and you just go back. Okay, like race relations is a perfect example. There's, we think we're in order, whatever. And then there's disorder, there's protests. And this is historically speaking, I hope this doesn't happen this time. There's protests and then we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And we kind of like want to jump over it and get back to where we were. Then we didn't change anything. We didn't go into- You're either back where you started or you're worse. Correct. And, And- Oftentimes you're worse in the fact that there is more grief about the fact why can't we why can't we start to reorder? Why can't we put these pieces back together differently? And no one's saying that's easy, but you have to at least go into the pain and grief and your own, you know, hopefully in the last month or two, you know, we've talked a ton about it on the show. Like, have you been looking at your own 
shame? And have mm. you been looking at what you've been willing to not look at? Yeah. And have you been looking at your complicity in things that we should not be complicit about? And that's where you're breaking apart so you can we can reorder this in a different way. Um, you know, like talking about macro and micro, the, you know when people keep talking about in this upcoming election, the soul of this nation? Mm-hmm. The soul of the nation is a macro version of our personal souls. Yeah. Whatever we find most important and where wherever we are is what becomes reflected in our country. Sure. And in this last 2016 election, I think what got reflected was our foundations were not sturdy. Of course. I naively thought they were. Correct. Or we were just so used to saying it'll be all right. Mm-hmm. That we didn't realize how fast we had got, you know, everything is sped up. And all of a sudden we had gotten to a place where the true, when people are like, this is not who we are, but it is in the sense this is what's showing up. It may not be what we want to be. That's a different statement. Mm -hmm. We may be like, no, I want our country to be thought of as a more giving country or helpful or supportive or compassionate. That's who we are. But we're not demonstrating that right now. So it is, you know, it is, that is the essence of our country that is the essence of who we are and that is the capability and possibility of who we can be but we're not showing that right now right it's kind of like us saying i'm gonna yell at you but don't think that this doesn't mean that i love you and i'm respectful toward you doesn't but make you're, any sense. It, that doesn't make any sense you're yelling at me mm. so that's a very safe way of explaining what's you know going on but okay so i got far from richard Rohr's book you know, he where he talks about order, uh, disorder, reorder. But I love this quote it's from page nineteen. Most people confuse their life situation with their actual life, which is an underlying flow beneath the everyday events. Mm. So the, your actual life is your rock foundation. Yes, it's it's the flow underneath everything. The everyday events, you don't have control over those all the time. Sure. So we think we did. Well, we or we tried to control them. Yes, or we played a trick on ourselves that we had certainty about it. Mm-hmm. That we're like, oh, I know how every year will be going forward. Okay, my child will graduate, and then my child will do this, and then my child will go to college, and then I'll do this, and then I'll buy this. We pretended we had certainty, and maybe we had had a long string of non-catastrophic events that allowed us to think we had certainty, sure. but we never really did. Right. That's what I always find somewhat soothing is that this time is not really different in that it's very uncertain, but it always has been. Right. We just didn't have to deal with it. Correct. We didn't have to stare at it in the face. Correct. So most people confuse their life situation with their actual life, which is an under um, underlying flow beneath everyday events. So we started this podcast about talking about building a solid foundation that's the underlying flow. Mm. And if you have built your house on a rock-solid foundation, then when these everyday life events come in, you'll still be scared and have pain. You can't avoid being human. But it won't be so it won't be so catastrophic. You won't be it's kind of like the, you know, another uh story of, regarding rock foundation is you know the pigs you build your house with straw you build your house with three little pigs three little pigs those pigs yeah what is it straw i know the last one's brick hay sticks and brick i don't know yeah mud maybe mud's in there mud mud's in the story i don't know but these the first two houses are not built on a solid foundation and so when the wolf comes and blows the the houses they blow down but the last one that was built with brick there is a safety inside that foundation that the wolf still blew on it. House of straw, house of sticks, and house of bricks. Exactly. The wolf still came and blew on it. So being in the foundation doesn't keep the wolf from from attempting. Mm-hmm. But what you are and your foundation is underlying. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm listening to this podcast, uh-huh. I'd be like, "Great, great, got it, got it." Okay. Now, Kathy, what do I do what this? is your foundation? Like, what is your foundation? Right. Like, how do you you have this awareness? So, what do you? How do you cultivate your foundation? What is it made of? Yeah. How does it work? Well, it's not 
a step-by-step linear process. I'm actually just re- rereading Cheryl Paul's book called The um, Wisdom of Anxiety. One of my uh, clients was saying that she re-picked it up or picked it up maybe for the first time. And so then I, it had, it was sitting right next to me when she told me that. And so I was like, oh yeah, I loved this book. I want to read this again. And now I'm reading it on Kindle. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's just, I'm getting it from a different perspective now. Mm-hmm. Like, the wisdom of anxiety, the book is super interesting in the middle of a pandemic, yeah. <laughs> you know, because anxiety is constant and chronic. Um, but what she talked to, what she talks so much about is establishing an understanding, first of all, of what that anxiety is and what you are most concerned about, and that a lot of it is historical and traumatic. Like, here's the thing. What I want to say to people is go back and listen to this show from 10 years ago and then just keep listening to it or go. Yeah, you got uh, a thousand and you got a thousand hours. Because to there, kill. this is no different than anything else we've talked about. I, I, part of what I love about the conversations you and I have on this show, Todd, is we don't have to reinvent the wheel ever. The right. universal principles hold true. We basically, say the same thing every over time. Over and over. Yeah. And the irony is. People will say to you or me, "Don't you guys worry? You're gonna have, you're gonna run out of things to say." And I have said all the time. Oh, but, you! But, but I have you, <laughs> who never does, never, because you're always reading four books, or you're always looking inward to see how you're relating to a situation and how you can reframe it. Honestly, if this podcast were Todd Adams, it'd be a lot of uh, empty space. Well, it may not be as much, but I think you would find when you do come into a book or podcast, you find this truth in everything. Sure. And the and the thing that for those of you who are kind of maybe new to this or your new parents, the 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 most important thing you under, you need to understand is you will never get rid of anxiety, you will never get rid of pain, and you will never get rid of uncertainty. They are what you need to accept in your life as part of being human. Now, the way you deal with those things may change. That's what hopefully changes. That's the the rock-solid foundation. But the belief that you will somehow go deep into yourself and see a trauma or recognize a trauma or experience a pain and then feel like you're going to like be done with that or forever sidestep it or never step in that mud again, that... That's what human beings do. Mm-hmm. What we talk about on this show is how do you relate to it differently? Right. Instead of get lost in it or overwhelmed by it or, you know, God, and I'm saying God forbid because this is what always used to happen to me is be afraid of it. Like sit around fearing, what if I get anxious again? Mm-hmm. Or what if something bad happens again? That that's that's a really deep kind of anxiety where it's like you just are in constant crisis because you're worried about how you'll handle the next thing. Building a foundation is knowing that no matter what comes, you have the tools to deal with what happens. And when you're dealing with it, you're not, you know, skipping through the fields joyful. You're still crying and having a hard time with it, but you know that this will pass. Order, disorder, reorder. You know that you can work through it. So I know that I still haven't given you the how. Well, I have I have some, some ideas okay. of how we can frame this. because. Okay. So there's a part of me that, you know, I just started writing things like, what does Kathy do on a daily or weekly basis? Or what do we all do? And this is not the answer. So first, let me preface this. So this is the foundation. This is like the floorboards of your house. So this is slightly above it. But some of the things that you do Uh is you make vision boards, you do meditating, Uh you read this stuff, and you look inwards. Like, but... Whatever the foundation is, I almost feel like it's the Tao. The Tao is not the Tao if you can... As soon as you start to name it, it disappears. Right. So so as much as I want to give myself and the listeners like, great, Kathy, what is the foundation? We all have to figure that out for ourselves. Correct. Because I can say, I can really talk about meditation and say, I think it's super helpful to me. And I think we have enough research to demonstrate why meditation, we can take it off of our meditation mat and bring it into real life and realize that the reason we meditate every morning is to build muscles of being able to sit in discomfort. Mm. And so when discomfort happens in real life, we have more space and we can handle it. So I have an understanding. It's not just about, hey, everybody, I meditated. Isn't this great? Meditation is 
is lifting weights. So when you're in the midst of crisis in your life, um, right. you can. Um, that's JC texting us right now, saying hello. I don't know why. Great. So glad that our daughter interrupted our podcast. <laughs> um, Doesn't she know mom and dad are working? I know. Well, I will you while I'm talking just text her back well, and say. Well, Cameron texted it. me an hour ago or 20 minutes ago, and I wasn't about to respond to that. Oh, so okay. these kids can wait. <laughs> okay. That's the bottom line. Okay. Mom and dad are working. Okay. So um, I don't know where I was. Oh, so I was going to say that meditation. I strongly encourage it, but for you, it may be something else. It may be walking. It may be being in nature. Be it prayer, may be it could be church. Prayer could and be sitting under a tree. I don't know. And and all of the above. Like within my meditation, there is prayer. You know. And and here's the other thing. I also have a very and I'll just speak personally. I have a very fluid meditation prayer style. You have a very fluid everything. Uh, what I'm thinking about right now is there's so many authors that have maybe. How about you put your yeah, phone sorry. on mute. You got buzzes and beeping going. I'm sorry. Going. I know my my children. Um, That's what I do. I'm a mom. I know you are. Um, it, many authors have like the Ten Commandments. Like this is how you do it. Right. And I've always wanted that because I want to be able to give a Zen parenting presentation. Like, what is what do we think is most important? And you have resisted that for 556 podcasts right. because there is no way to encapsulate this, even no. though I want to, so that I can better explain. Um, what we're doing, what's happening. So um, I feel like that was purposeful. Like you don't want to like, this is how you do it. Right. There is no how to do it. No. Because everybody's how-to is going to be different. Not only is everybody's how-to going to be different, but even if you find a how-to, you find a structure like mm -hmm. meditation, I hope your meditation evolves and changes and grows. Sure. And I hope you have some difficult mornings where it's where it's not easy to meditate. And I hope you find interesting tools that make it more fluid. I hope that your, your struggle against gives you new ways in. This brings me back to Eckhart. Because he, in the beginning of A New Earth, he talks about how any ideology, right. like this is the way to do it, is challenging. Well, this is why this has been the, um, <laughs> I always say this, this is the core of what we talk about is that it's why I love writing mm -hmm. because I try to find ways to explain these very intricate things, not to be high-minded and to try and be difficult to understand. That's the last thing I want to do. Right. It's to explain why you can't, You this process is fluid and ongoing and ever-changing, and there is nothing static about being a human being. And when you try and live in a state of static, right there you're creating pain mm -hmm. because you're not, so, okay, Let's do let's take from Wayne Dyer for a second. An old teaching from Wayne Dyer. Life is row 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 your boat. Mm -hmm. Okay? So life he always used to say the words to row 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 your boat are basically life. Row 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 your boat gently down the stream. Merrily 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 life is but a dream. Okay? Yes. So he he t he gives us that. We all know that. And then he dives into the words. Your row, row, row your boat. So everybody's got their own sense of self and you're who you are. You need to, you know, and rowing is not easy. You need to row your boat gently mm -hmm. down the stream, not, not up the stream, right. not, a, not into the most difficult things in the world, not into, you know, uh, merrily, merrily, merrily. That, that the hope for you is that you find joy. Life is but a dream. You create your own experience. Right. But within that short little story, that song, sometimes you do row upstream and you have to remember that, oh, I'm supposed to go gently down the stream. And well, then you turn your boat around. Well, you talk about parenting. Like how many of us are rowing upstream with our parenting? All the, you know what? Last week's podcast is a perfect example of that. <laughs> yes. So if you haven't listened to last week's podcast, we have a scenario where I get activated because one of my kids is on technology and that is me swimming upstream and you dealt with it a little bit differently and in my judgment, rode downstream. So yeah. that's just one example. In a in a way, uh, merrily, merrily, merrily is connection, connection, connection right. to me. Like right. merrily is contentment. It's not joy and happiness and blah, or it could be joy, but it's not 
everything has to be great and we have to be throwing confetti and have a party. It's just, how do I connect? How do I connect? How do I connect? If that means to myself, to other people, to the world, to nature, that's part of my merrily. Sure. That's what merrily means well, to me. And I think about my merrily. My merrily in my 20s was really getting drunk with my friends. That was merrily. Which is a bit upstream. Well, it's it's not healthy. No. I'm not saying that, but right. that was what in my 20-year-old self or 25-year-old self, like that was my merrily. Now, it's so funny because, you know, we're lucky if we have, you know, a half a glass of wine and we go to bed by 10 o'clock <laughs> and I'm excited to wake up in the morning and look at the birds. Right. That's, my merrily has changed from getting drunk with my friends, which isn't healthy. I'm not saying that that is a downstream thing, but I'm just thinking about what filled me up at the time, even though it was not a healthy way. Now I get filled up by waking up early, looking at the birds. And I think that's the natural evolvement of life or or in the best case scenario, because Marilyn, that, what you just said about, you know, getting drunk with my friends, that's filling up externally. Sure. Not only filling up, but literally numbing yourself out to For the sure. world. Right. So like you were, your Marilyn is I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel. Like life is, that's, life is, life but, is a but a dream. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look. And you're just taking in. So some people take in things like they go shopping and buy something. That's a numbing too. But you really altered your brain mm -hmm. so you wouldn't have to experience life. You created an alternate reality within the dream. And when I'm saying you, Every, every Friday so and Saturday I. night. So did I. Yeah. I mean, that's was so much of my early you know, 20s and... But now, it, it, Todd and I went for a walk yesterday and we're like, God, it's so interesting how when you get to a certain age, you do start to notice birds and bunnies and squirrels. We're going to write a book called Birds and Bunnies and Squirrels. <laughs> because you look, you start to look outward, not to numb yourself, but you start to see what you've been missing. Yes. And since we were kids, birds have been everywhere. Yeah. And maybe when we were four, five, six, seven, eight, we loved the birds. Yeah, and then, we've, and then, then we forgot about them. Yeah, we forgot about them. We forgot about the birds. And and the birds are metaphorical here, you know, um, that it doesn't just have to be birds. It can be the mountains. It can be the ocean. It can be the cracks in the sidewalk. It, it's You look around, you're like, look, birds. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, I want to feed those birds. I want to give get binoculars for those birds. Look, bunnies. Look, you know, all, in the last four or five years, I've gotten way into caterpillars and butterflies. And, and, I've, and planting flowers. And planting flowers and sunflowers. And I've gotten into these things that I would have laughed at myself at 25. Right. And now we're laughing at our 25-year-old self. Correct. But holding them both with respect sure. in understanding. Because as soon as we say we're smarter than younger right. people, we get into a problem. Yes. I understand what my daughters and, you know, my nephew and my niece and who the young people in my life and clients for that matter and my college students, they need to go through certain phases where if they're like, oh yeah, every Friday night I go party, I'm not like, you should be looking at birds. Right. Like, duh, they yeah. need to go through their own life experience. And I don't look at them with pity I just say, yeah, that's where you are. I, if they're like, hey, do you have any ideas of how I can feel more of the world? I may say, drink less, look at birds more. <laughs> you know? But I, I'm not, they may not be able to feel that right. till they go through, they have to go through their disorder mm -hmm. to get to that reorder. Yeah, you know? some, like there's some people out there that don't, I'm thinking of Maddie J, that young man who passed away, he was an Oprah guest and like, he just got it. You know, he just showed up right. and he understood as if he was an 85-year-old man. But most of us have to do that struggle. And, you know, and Matty J, I think, was special. He was like an angel boy. Mm -hmm. But there are some kids who go through a lot of crisis early in their life, if it be that they had a diagnosis or um, that they are, you know, they had a surgery. I'm thinking about um, our friend Carrie and her daughter, mm -hmm. Mary Kate, just had, at our first conference, we, um, our friend Carrie came and spoke about um, her daughter, Mary Kate, who has something called Apert syndrome. And um, her daughter just went through a major surgery yeah. this weekend. And it was a huge deal. And, you know, Mary Kate has gone through a lot in her young life. And so she and her family, I think, have a different perspective right. about what's mo their rock solid foundation about what's most important has a little more clarity than maybe yours when you were drinking. And right. you're, you know, like our life experiences can really help us build a solid foundation. When I would say our life experiences are here for, to, yeah, to help us build that. Like, you know, 
whether we have things that come easy to us, like we just, you know, we're good at reading books or challenges like failures, it's all here for us. Correct. It's all here for us to learn and build and solidify our foundation. Exactly. And if you take it that way, if we keep running from it, like this morning, I'll just give you an example. Well, okay, let me read this quote because I think it's really- So we're 40 minutes in, so we got about 20 minutes. That's fine. Okay. That's fine. I'm not going to go off in super different directions. I'm just trying that's to- That's all good. Um, so I was reading a bunch of once I heard this on the Eckhart Oprah podcast about building a solid foundation and I reread the scripture and then I just started reading blogs blogs about building a solid foundation just to get other people's perspective. I love to hear other people's words because sometimes you get a, um, a like I love it when people figure out a way to write something where you go, that's it. Mm-hmm. Like at least for me. Yeah. And this one guy, I don't even know who it is. I can't even give him credit, but he was talking about building a solid foundation and he said, even when you build a solid foundation of rock, you still may have to watch floodwaters rise. He said, for me, and he's talking about the pandemic, the floodwaters were rushing my foundation in the form of walking into an empty grocery store. Mm. Um, no matter how you experience, this is a storm, and it can be scaring, scary and startling, no matter whether or not you have the solid foundation. Sure. And that's the part of humanity that I'm talking about is, Building a rock solid foundation is not ham- putting wood, you know, putting boards up on the windows and not looking. Yeah. You still need to look. You still need to be understand that around you there are floodwaters. And for him, he's saying the first time he went in, into a grocery store and there was no toilet paper and no food, it freaked him out. Well, and for me, um, I shared after we did uh, we did a, a podcast specific on racism. I had a tendency to bury my head in the stand, sand and not look at certain videos of yeah. you know George Floyd and all that and that I needed I needed to look at that because if I didn't I'd be ignoring the for truth me with what what was. You didn't want a disorder. Right. You just like you said you wanted to jump to reorder and be like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I I'll understand. Yeah, where do I send my money? Where yes, do I exactly. You wanted to be a part of the solution but you weren't willing to feel what exactly. was happening. And the only way to be an uh, a a really uh, I need a better word integrated. than helpful, uh integrated, grounded part um and powerful part of the solution is to feel what's happening. Yeah, the foundation doesn't, the it, whole idea right. of the foundation is not to eliminate anything. No. We have to keep experiencing everything, which is successes, failures, joy, fear, everything. The other way to say this that we have said in the past is rooting to rise. Mm-hmm. If you are in yoga, we always talk about you get your you spread your uh, toes, you get your feet grounded, and then you start to rise and stretch. If you don't do that, if you don't have a solid foundation in your feet, you're going to start to stretch and either fall or hurt yourself yeah. because you haven't you haven't integrated. You haven't. Um, that's not the word I'm looking for. You haven't planted. Plant. We'll just use that. Yeah. You haven't planted yourself somewhere where you can rise. That's another version of rock solid foundation Mm -hmm. is that you need something to, you need to be in a soil of some kind so you can grow. And I feel like the way we were living before the pandemic, and when I'm saying we collectively as a culture, it was almost like we were living in the air. We were going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. We weren't even feeling anything. Everything sped up like the speed of light and we were driving people places and going places and going on vacations because we thought we should and buying this because we thought it was time and you know saying goodbye to our kids without even feeling like we spent any time with them and we were like in the air we weren't we had no rootedness mm-hmm. and what this gives us an opportunity to do is yes we were told to stay home for a long period of time and many of us are still sheltering in place or easing out into the world in a slower way is take that rootedness not the fear the fear maybe was a was something that we experience or go through occasionally, but you don't have to be in chronic fear. Right. But the rootedness of the stillness or of the slowness, and then start building your life with that as the center. Right. Re you can bring things back in, but if you try, if you're like, I want things to go back to the way they were, and the fast paced of me going to work and me dropping off my kids, I mean that that. Is not a that's not a rock solid foundation. Yeah. That's going back to being in the air. Right. Um, so 
the and the and what is the solid foundation again it's just the flow underneath everything else it doesn't keep life from happening it just helps you be more sturdy mm. more capable like you're a tree and and the, your roots are in the ground and life is the wind blowing your leaves and you're able to manage that because you have a sturdy foundation it still blows your leaves you can't hide from it um and it's not always comfortable. Well, and I think as I'm thinking this through, I think a lot of people are saying, yep, got it. And my foundation is God or church sure. or nature. Sure. Or like, I'm trying to get to like the most basic, primal, primitive idea ideas. And I feel like that's, that's where a lot of people ground themselves. Well, and you, what you just said is the most important part though. Those are ideas, but what's your practice in regards to those ideas? Mm. Because someone can say, I ground myself in the idea of nature or mm. God, or I ground myself in the idea of this. But what's your daily practice that you invest in that idea? Because right. an idea is just an idea. Yeah. You can just, it's just a thought, mm. but what are you doing on an every, so we were talking yesterday about Another thing that I, that, you know, we always say practice, practice, practice. And Todd and I were talking yesterday about how some people are hearers mm -hmm. and some people are doers. Some people just hear things and say, yep, I believe that. This is the monkey. Yes. But a doer, yeah, the monkey is, we did a show a couple weeks ago about the monk who was sitting on the riverbank and just watching the river to learn about the river. And then the monkey jumped in the river and played. And the monk's teacher said to him, the monkey heard, you just listened. Right. And what that means is it's like you need to in like engage in the pre because everyone people can say they can use whatever religion they are and say, I am this, I am this religion, or I go to church this many times. But how do you live that in your everyday life? Mm -hmm. Are you living like a compassionate human being? Are you being kind to people, not just on Sunday, but every other day of the week? Are you working on your own inner development? Or are you just using the idea and throwing that around on people right. and saying, but I'm this, don't you see I'm this? Yeah. But if you don't show up, that's what I was talking about, our soul of the nation. We can say America is the greatest country in the world. We're the most compassionate. We're the ones, we're this, we're that. But you have to understand that we're not looking like that right now. We, we don't seem to be practicing that. Right. If you look at the choices that our country as a whole has made, that's not, we may think we're an idea and I, and the idea can still grow. It's not impossible. Sure. We can still have that as our foundation. I mean, my goodness, I just watched Hamilton again this weekend and, mm -hmm. you know, you get back invested in what was, and, and again, they were not perfect people either. Sure. You know, talking about race and, you know, slavery was still going on. Like, there's a lot of, um, this isn't like a perfect, none of this is perfect because humanity is Well, it's perfect. funny you brought up Hamilton. I was not thinking no, as much as the historical context, but Lin-Manuel inspired a nation, a world, based Correct. upon what he created. So anyways. Well, Alexander Hamilton inspired a lot of people and then however many years later inspired a, inspired a young man named Lin-Manuel Miranda yeah. and said, this guy is, you know, this guy is, you know, I don't know what he, I've heard him talk about him before, and I can't remember what word he used. But he thought of him as a rap artist. Mm -hmm. He thought of him as a hip hop artist. He thought of him as a personification of the idea how we can how immigrants can come in with all this new i this new understanding yeah. and build something new right. with the help of many other people. I, I mean, it's just, and that's. What Lin-Manuel did is he didn't just focus on the idea of, wow, that's interesting and that's inspirational. I think I'll close my book and move on. Mm. He said, now I'm inspired. To take action. And I'm going to take action and create something with my skill set, which is songwriting mm. and um, theater yeah. and lyrics. And I'm going to use my creation and my gifts and change the world. And not all of us are supposed to do what Lin-Manuel did. Sure. We get to enjoy it, thank yeah. goodness. Um, but we get to use our skill sets and become inspired and use that as our practice. But if we just say, yeah, good book, and we do nothing, and that's, I mean, think about how many self-help books are out there in the world. Quite a few. They go, you know, they become number one bestsellers. Everyone reads them, but not everybody takes the 
takes the opportunity to integrate them. Yeah. They just like the language. And then they'll say, I know who needs this book. I'm going to give it to this friend because mm-hmm. they really need it. But the person who bought it in the first place doesn't put into practice any of those practices. Right. So, Ted, I want to finish this way. Sure. Um, because you said that people will be like, yeah, but how do I do this? Hopefully we've shared a few things like meditation, your understanding of becoming inspired, but also you know, the stillness that you can create in your life. And that just means finding quiet, taking walks, um, having some sense of yourself before you interact with other people every day, mm-hmm. um, breathing exercises, um, yoga, uh, dance, singing, um, you know, art, like Todd said, I love it. Vision boards are a part of my foundation because when I find that I'm getting lost um, and I'm I'm having a hard time grasping, my foundation's getting a little crumbly, I create another vision board to establish what I can't hold in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that works. So that's a creative process for me. Sure. That may not work for you, but there's, you have to figure this out. And I'm saying not you, Todd, but everybody listening. You have to figure out what, your foundation is. Yeah. And maybe you have the ideas in mind, but how do you put it into practice? Um, and I think, oh, one more thing that I want to say that I wrote down that yesterday was really helpful to me because I have been, um, I had a, last week I was having a lot of pain and um, like body pain and just going through a lot of my own anxiety because that always comes up for me, you know, I have anxiety just like everybody else and kind of struggling f- through all those feelings. And I like to push it away, but I know I have to feel it. And I, I said to myself in meditation, it comes out of nowhere, you know, sometimes you wonder if it's just being channeled through you, that dark is light and light is dark. Mm. Meaning that this darkness, if you want to call it that, that you're feeling is to help you understand and get more connected to the light. And that when you're feeling light, it's helping you understand the dark more. So they are one and the same, which is so when two you're sides, feeling, two sides of the same coin. Correct. So when you're feeling dark, you don't have to be like, I need to push this away. This is scary. This is horrible. That's part of light. Mm-hmm. So it just helped me rest in it and be less afraid of it. Yeah. That it doesn't feel good. Dark doesn't always feel like light, but it can, and it can be the door to the light. Right. And I think what really throws us off is when we think. I need to get rid of this. I shouldn't be feeling this. This isn't okay. What's wrong with me? That's where the dark spirals to a place that's unhealthy. Right. But if you're like, I'm feeling anxiety, like the book I'm reading, again, The Wisdom of Anxiety. What's the wisdom in this anxiety? Where's the light that I can find and and spread more light on this than feeling alone and ashamed in the dark? Right. So dark is light and light is dark. Okay, that's all I got, Todd. Good job, sweetie. Um, I'm going to cue the music. Let's see if I can do that. There it is. Um, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800, tribemensgroup.org. We got so many different things. Check out our website, guys. And if there are women out there and you have men in your life, have them check it out. What does so many different things mean? We have a lot of different programs going on. We have monthly workshops. We have uh, Monday morning uh, weekly meditations. We have weekly Wednesday night virtual meetings where guys lean into their authenticity, vulnerability. We have monthly in-person meetings. We have community engagement. We have a whole ton of stuff. So no matter where you live in the world, you get you can be a part of Todd's Men's Group. Yes, yes. Tribemensgroup.org. And I also do life coaching for the guys out there. So toddadamscoaching.com for sessions free. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Adios. Thank you.